welcome to Hannibal's Horny Abachi, a weekly dinner party where we watch and discuss an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. I am Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd. Let's go around the table and introduce the rest of the party. Hi, my name is Celeste. I'm an artist, a nerd, and I'm new to Hannibal. Hi, I'm JJ. I'm a local filmmaker, a local nerd, and the fanable of the three. And this week we watch Nakachoko. Uh, you guys should really be reading these. I'm not into anime. <laughs> and you na- said it right. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's oh, not that hard. Nakachoko. 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 Uh, first aired May 2nd, 2014. And this episode, Sonia's kind of into Hanagram now? Uh, of course. I knew you would. Especially with that eye-fucking at the end, I tell you what. So, uh, so according to the fandom wiki for this episode, Will's willingness to go to dark places strengthens his bond with Hannibal and garners Jack's attention. Hannibal gives Margot advice about her brother's violent nature. And this is the episode where we meet Mason Verger finally. Yay! Mm. Well, we'll get to that part. <laughs> uh, but whenever a house is attacked in a, in a, in a piece of fiction, I'm always aware, over aware about how many windows there are. Like, Will has an insane amount of windows in that house. Like, his door has windows in it. And I'm like, ooh. And they could get in anywhere. <laughs> and he lives in, like, a cabin in the middle of, like, nowhere, too. And his dogs are useless. They can't, like, fight or anything. <laughs> They've been coddled. They've lived too well. <laughs> well they were barking. <laughs> Pretty much lives in, like, a murder house. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, man, the dogs can't do anything. Like, they're not freaking anybody out. But uh, I would have... Um, I would have just thrown tacks all over the floor and stuff, or like boarded up the windows really fast. Well, I guess he didn't have that. Are you Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone? (laughs) 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 Tacks on the floor! (laughs) Like he's coming in barefoot in the middle of winter. (laughs) Can you like find like a bucket of tacks though? Yeah. You should just like buy Legos and just be done with it. (laughs) You know what what I can use? Uh, My sister has really long hair and she always leaves hair like clips around that you step on and your feet like feel like they're gonna fall off. I should just leave those around. Are those like barrettes or bonnets? Yeah, those little barrettes, you know, all those ones. Like, yeah, they're, um, they're so painful. Oh, but don't like, say I ever stepped on one. But I would have broken all uh, all my wine glasses or something. Like, just, like hold it like a knife. Like, <laughs> just, like damn it, stay out there. I think a normal person would have called the police. <laughs> He's in the middle of normal. nowhere, though. He, like, no, I mean, like, if he was so sure that there was a predator or something about, I would have like called somebody. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's Will. He like yeah. turn off the lights. Like, do yeah, you know right. Why he do that? He's just like, just, I'm gonna stand with my big like, old gun and turn off the lights. <laughs> he'll, think, he'll think it's safe to come in. And it's like, no, you don't want him to come in. No, it's not dark for That's everybody. But I think he was trying to lure him in. In all honesty, yeah, like because he was trying, like he was like trying to lure him in. I think. I think so. That means he can kill him. Yeah, which I like, thought was interesting. What I was, was like, that Simpsons line um, when Homer's trying to catch Sideshow Bob because he's trying to kill Bart? And <laughs> he's like, anything you do to somebody if they get into your house is nice and legal. So he invites uh, Flanders. Yeah. He's like, it doesn't work if you invite them in. Oh! <laughs> so, this is a vampire rule, as I call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. But I love it that Will fantasizes that he's killing Hannibal as he's killing the guy in the beginning. I was just like... Really? There's important things going on. <laughs> and really, that's where your mind goes, but all right then. Because this Fine. is what I wrote for that scene. Will be- beating Hannibal was way too S&M to me. I am both threatened and aroused. I know. 
<laughs> also, it was really cathartic for me to see Hannibal beaten up, but even though he looked like he was enjoying it. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> That's, when I was looking at uh, his face, he's just, he's getting fucking punched in the face and he just looks back up at Will, like, smiling, yeah. and it's just like, you dick. This, this is so gross. The thing about this episode is that it's very sensual. <laughs> Like, it's, it's so central. It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was like, am I allowed to watch this? <laughs> yeah, it feels like you're watching somebody making out, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's bizarre to me. That awkwardness <laughs> you get when you see somebody, like, doing PDA in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, you want to look away, right? Like to, like, to give it privacy, but it's like... They're grinding on each other right now. <laughs> it's, it's violence that's happening. It's not really, and it's just. But I also think it has a little bit to do with the cinematography. I made a note in here too, how this almost entire episode is soft focus and mm-hmm. tight framing, and it's just, and yet it's not disorienting. It's not too hard, but it's, at the same time, there's just a small little hole of focus, and everything else is blurred. Mm-hmm. And so it almost looks like you're looking through a peephole. Oh, so that's where I, I, I agree with you totally yeah. that it's just so sensual and it's <laughs> intimate and it, it shouldn't be looking. Well, and uh, it comes up later in the episode too, where they're talking about how killing is an intimate thing, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, they could be if you substitute killing with sex, that's basically what they're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, <laughs> like it's creeping me out. Like, I feel like that uh, that see, uh, there's a, a meme that's going around of uh, of the Riddler from Gotham showing. The penguin from Gotham, like something I can't remember off screen, and the Riddler smiling, like really wide, like he's so happy, and the penguin is just all horrified. I'm like, this is how I feel right now. <laughs> it's JJ showing me the hanogram, and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> stop it. But yeah, this uh, this show's homo, the show's homoerotic subtext is not even subtext anymore. Is what I wrote. That's why like so many fans are like, it's canon. <laughs> Well, because they don't need to kiss to be to be intimate. It seems like in the show. Mm-hmm. Well, like, well, like they they show so much before even the credits roll. Um, <laughs> uh, after he brings Randall and he put shows him like he's like, how did you do it? He said it was intimate, and you see his bloody knuckles. And then Hannibal treats his wounds, and like the way he's just he did it so him. gently, right? And it's just like <laughs> it's so like I, I get it could be clinical in a way because Hannibal is a doctor, but he's not. Will's doctor, you yeah. know, he's he's just a he's a friend, quotes, air quotes, he's a friend. So it's just like that weird, like, and he's just so gentle about it, and they're so close to each other. <laughs> well, you can hear people off in the distance going, kiss, kiss. <laughs> well, it reminds me of, like, fantasy novels where women would have to tend the wounds of, like, knights or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it reminds Nightingale me of something. syndrome. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, uh, Lord of the Rings or something, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just so, like, um... I think it's Nightingale. <laughs> Sorry, I have to look this up. <laughs> that, that's like more Stockholm, I think. But anyway, like, uh, but it's, think, no, I think it reminds me of like a lot of like that ghost movie. I forgot what it's called. <laughs> you know, like, like the like uh, the lady and the ghost, and are like, like doing like the pot thing. <laughs> oh, that is ghost. Is it? Yeah, it's just called the pot thing. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> like, there was a discussion on BuzzFeed about uh, the sexiest scenes that have no sex in them. And I think this is a good a good example of it, where it's like very sensual and very sexy, but with no actual like uh, like hardcore like penis mm. and vagina type mm-hmm. stuff. Like, because people think that or like penis with penis <laughs> or penis and ass. We're not discussing that. Yeah, <laughs> or like vagina and vagina. So we're not discriminating here. But yeah, just like because uh, I guess that's why we all feel uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable with this, because it seems like you're intruding on something. And I think that's what they were going for. Because somebody made a really good comment about 
how um, you could change Hannibal's character to a woman and nothing would be different. Mm. And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> I would love that more, actually. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, yeah, it's actually called the Florence Nightingale Effect. It's a situation where a caregiver develops romantic feelings, sexual feelings, or both, for their patient, even if very little communication or contact takes place outside of basic care. However, feelings may fade once the patient is no longer in need of care. Yeah, it's like the speed uh, phenomenon where they ended up not getting together in the end because, like, uh, relationships that come about as a result of stress rarely work out. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like my fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the glint of the rail tempts us as we hear the approaching train. I love that line because it reminds me of me every time I I was recently in a tapas bu- uh, tapas the tallest building in Winnipeg for an interview for something I'm doing and uh, I was looking out the window and I was like man if the window wasn't here I'd totally jump <laughs> just like like not for suicidal reasons but no just I because guess I'm everybody like, gets those sort of thoughts like I can like fall over this railing right now if I if I step forward if I really wanted to it's like you know when you go to a grocery store and you see like all those like apples stacked up and you just like have this big urge to like push it all over <laughs> I think that's called something actually yeah like an entropy thing or something yeah. I don't know like he mentions it in the thing I was gonna say that feels like a thing Hannibal has mentioned before and I'm trying to and I think it. you mentioned it too about like how people will want to like if they go to a rail they'll wanna they'll be like oh man I should jump over it like not that you're going to you yeah. feel the temptation to do so it's like the thought that comes and also I really love this line what we believe is motivated by death that's a really nice line I don't know, because it's like, it sums him up as a character, I think. Because he's like, yeah, I'm going to die, so what the hell does it matter that I kill a bunch of people? It's like, mm. the god sort him out. <laughs> so, it was really interesting. I really love Hannibal's lines this episode, even though I hate him most mm-hmm. of the time. <laughs> you know what I like is that Hannibal asks Will if Will fantasized about killing him and he doesn't admit it and he didn't admit it he just looked at him what i love is like in my head while while he dancy is turns his head and looks at mass i was thinking he's probably thinking what the fuck <laughs> it's like how did you know that <laughs> and again it's just one of those weird moments where for some strange reason Hannibal knows everything again mm-hmm. like they may not fully admit these things to each other but for some reason they just he he just knows. Well, he has that, like, he wears his heart on his sleeve, basically, Will does. And I think Hannibal doesn't have very much difficulty reading him. Yeah, that's probably why I like them. <laughs> Among other reasons. <laughs> um, but Randall's body after um, after Will poses him looks like one of the monsters from The Thing. You remember that scene where The Thing bursts out of that guy's chest? That's what it looked like. Yeah. Well. Oh, vaguely. It's been it was, a while since I've seen it. Oh, yeah, The Thing is a but yeah, it looked exactly like that. It was pretty the cool. The thing. What is the thing about again? The thing is about this alien in uh, Antarctica who starts infecting people, and the thing's power is that it can mimic whatever it it comes into contact with. Ew. And so you can't kill it. The only way to kill it is by burning it. Because even like say my hair, if I was infected by the thing, my my individual strand of hair is a thing itself. So like every like it's hard to explain, yeah. yeah. So if I lost my hair and it fell on JJ, my hair could infect her. Damn. Yeah. So it's it's a good movie. <laughs> like watch it. It's co- Halloween's coming. So watch That's it. true. <laughs> but yeah, and I really like that. In kind of a sad way, Ryan, Randall finally becomes what he wants, but only in death. Mm-hmm. It's so creepy looking of what he became. Yeah, I was like, Ooh. Is, uh, like, did Will actually like do that? I know. I kind of like how they left that. As a 
as a mystery a little bit. Even Like, who did it? Yeah, even when later in the episode when Freddie stumbled, well, she didn't stumble. She flat out broke in there in, in his <laughs> barn. But anyway, like, yeah, they leave this really open-ended, like, and you decide for yourself, did Will actually do it? Or did Hannibal do it? Or did they or was do it, it a together? bonding activity? I think they did it together, <laughs> and Hannibal probably did most of it. I feel and, like, and, yeah. In the guise of, like, Will being like, oh, well, I don't know how to do this. Can you show me? It's like, you're, you're a fledgling. I shall teach you how to, you know, do yeah, I'll thing. throw up your food in your mouth. <laughs> but yeah, I like how, what is it? Uh, this is my becoming... This is my design. Yeah, that's what I wrote in here. To, um, he was yeah. actually talking about himself, and he still, and he has to do this. I'm going to pretend and help at this crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> he well, looked actually. He looked really creepy in that one scene oh, when he yeah. lay was slowly, you know, imagining what's happening, and he has like that conversation. Mm. It's like I know he didn't look real. Yeah, to me. like his eyes are bigger. I think. Like, he looked almost, like, cartoonish, and I just felt really creeped out by him. <laughs> like an anime. <laughs> but I like how This Is My Becoming becomes a major theme in season three. Like, it's something the dragon always says. Like, mm-hmm. that him because, like, because I think Randall Tear has a bit of the dragon in him, and that he's not a man, he's something else. And I think mm. that's something that Francis Dollarhide has in season three. But we'll get to that when we get to that. But... Uh, Related to our uncomfortableness with seeing Hannibal and Will basically eye fucking across the room, I love how Crawford looking at them is reminding me of me. Like, <laughs> like ew, that like scene is so funny because I feel like they're just having like inside like conversation between each other because they kept like glancing at each other and you mm-hmm. see like Jack in the background like, it's like the glancing at both of them. He's like he knows something's up but he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, like I think it's just considering their past and he's like looking at them and they just always seem to know so much so it's just. <laughs> kind of like he's looking at him like what's going hmm. on yeah like what's going on I feel like you guys are we talking about the same thing <laughs> I know there was one shot there I took a picture of it and I really liked it and it's just one of those I'm one of those weird people who really likes um symmetry mm-hmm. and imagery and a lot of the time if I don't get it then I consider whatever I drew or whatever I composed a failure because it's not symmetrical. Which is weird because symmetry is not a common thing in human beings. Like yeah, that. like that shot is symmetry. I'm I'm showing them a shot from when they're standing. Uh, uh, the two of them, like look at both Hannibal and uh, Jack Crawford. Their hands are both in front of them. You can see their gloves and Will standing in front. Hmm. It's kind of implying that Will is on e- like either it can go to Where, either yeah, side. Which or- side is he actually helping? And he's Damn. in the middle. Yeah. And it's I like just, that. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, so it's just, again, there's this weird, I know that's on purpose, that's completely on purpose, that kind of uh, <laughs> imagery, but, like, shit like that, I was just like, I was eating this episode up. Like I said, with the cinematography, <laughs> I was just like, oh, that looks so good. And plus, I have a thing for men in well-dressed coats and everything. <laughs> they look good in this shot. <laughs> they all look so good. They yeah, look yummy. coats that are tailored. I actually do like that, but the, the episode's, like, sort of turning Bill into this, like, character that has to choose a side, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm. Kind of reminds me of, um, like, Mass Effect, the mm-hmm. video game. Because uh, in the second game, he got a choice of, like, doing bad decisions or good decisions. I just sent you the guys the picture. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Who's sending me a message? <laughs> like a little ding. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do like that. And it's, like, interesting to see where Will goes down, even though in this episode later on. <laughs> mm. That's funny you mentioned video games. Can you ever pick the bad choice? Like, I no, have, I, I can never pick the bad I'm choice. I'm too nice. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, there, and I don't know if you've ever played Bioshock, but there's this whole system um, where you can get uh, this energy called Atom. 
and you can get it from these creatures called little sisters. And they basically look like little girls. Ew. And if you let them free, they'll give you, like, maybe five at them. If you kill them, they'll give you 50. And so there's a really big incentive to be bad. But I'm like, if I had them, <laughs> never do it. It's like, I, even in that context, I can't do it. Like, there's a really hardcore scene at the end of uh, the video game, uh, The Last of Us, where mm. somebody, like, I don't want to spoil it, but you have to, the game forces you to shoot somebody. And I was so horrified by that, I had to put the game down. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I remember uh, d- uh, d- my husband was playing that, and uh, yeah, he said he 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 went to a save point or something, and he tried to do all the endings for Last of Us. Oh, yeah. And he was like, I don't like this one. It's yeah, so depressing. It- so he's like, he went to the other one. He's like, this is still depressing, but doesn't feel as bad. It doesn't feel as bad. <laughs> it was a really depressing ending. But yeah, like I, it's hard for me to really, like I always talk about how I would be the uh, the badass, like just killing people and stuff. I'm like, no, I'm like too delicate. I'm like a sunflower. I'm a peach. <laughs> well, I have like a system of doing that though. You need to create a character that's supposed to be a villain. Because <laughs> you need, I don't know, because they have like a, another story, but I'm too like, I want to help everybody, so yeah. I never know the story. So I create like this character as like, "All right, you're a bitch. Go kill people. <laughs> Make everybody angry. Do it." <laughs> That's kind of the nice thing with video games is often you can play the. What was it? Uh, I remember my brother did it. He was playing one of the Star Wars games. I can't remember which one. Force Awakens or no. Um... The Force something. Yeah. It might have been Force Unleashed. I'm not sure, but anyway, um, you have the choice to you know either be on the dark side, be a Sith. Or become a Sith, or stay on the light side and be a true Jedi. So he almost always plays good first, because <laughs> that's the way you're supposed to do it, you know. <laughs> and so then he'll go back and play the game again, choosing all the Sith strong decisions. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, he's like, he's always torn. He's like, man, the Sith side is a lot cooler. <laughs> he's like, but. He's like, a lot of people die. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Because <laughs> well, he feels personally responsible for that. Because, like, in, mm. in Silent Hill 2, um, the bad ending comes about as a result of good decisions you make. Like, because I, I was reading about it, and I'm like, I made all the good decisions where I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I do in real life. So I go back and make sure that the girl I'm protecting is okay. Um, I keep looking at this letter from my wife, like, in the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep looking at this letter from my <laughs> wife just to remember her because I love her. And then at the end, um, he ends up uh, killing himself. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I look it up and I'm like, that's the bad ending. So So the good good ending, you have to do bad choices. And I was just so annoyed by that. It's sort of like uh, the game Fable. Like, um, there's like this, like, evil king. And you have to, like, you can see that he's he's doing bad. And so you kind of, like, like, become strong and take over him. And then you find out that he's, like, been protecting everybody by, like, doing, like, these Bad horrible acts. Oh, okay. Like, greater, for the greater like, good. Yeah, for the greater good. And you're like, oh, shoot, now, like, I'm in charge, and I might have to do these bad decisions, too. <laughs> and then everybody just is just sad all the time, but it will keep them alive. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, like, the big point of uh, Breath of the Wild. Because in Breath of the Wild, you find out that Zelda's father, the king, had to do all these decisions that were detrimental to what she wanted because it was good for the good of the land. And so he was like, I have to 
I have to treat her like a king, like I'm a king, not a father. And I'm like, how hard is it? Like I, uh, I, I usually that's the way the the Last of Us is so hard to play because you're playing as a as a person, as a human being who wants to protect this girl you've come to love, and that's the worst decision you can make through with the whole game. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's never black and white people. It's never black and white. I love video games. <laughs> they're, they're awesome. <laughs> but I love the return of Freddy bitch ass Lou. I love so her. Cool. I don't bitch is back. She's so cool. I just love her. Um, <laughs> it just bothers them. I like how she's um, she's on a very Hannibal level in her chair when she's interviewing Will. Like, I love the parallel of that. Like, they frame the scene in such a way that it looks like they're in Hannibal's office and she's Hannibal. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, I really like it. Um, and he does that thing, like, when he first was first meeting Hannibal, he, he, he was uh, pacing the room. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep his distance and not get too close and... like i love how she's prodding will to admit who the ripper is because she knows it's not shelton yeah or she's or at least she's pretty darn sure she's sure it's not him well i guess she i keep thinking that i think shelton and um and freddie are my otp no rents is dollar hiding shelton (laughs) (laughs) no i can't well they're my my normal they're both named freddie too oh i felt happy with like freddie like investigating this because you know at this point Everybody thought Chilton is like the like the killer, but we all know who the actual killer is. And mm. the fact that Freddie is getting so close to finding that out, you're like rooting for her. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, she even says in the says in the yeah. scene like uh, the story like my my part in the story of the Chesapeake Ripper is over. Will tells her, and she's like, "It's not over for me." And I'm like, "Yeah!" <laughs> like this whole scene yes, could have been girl, just like yes. me, like, "Yes, Queen." <laughs> Because I just, uh, I think she is the best character on the show. Like, I love Bev, but I think, like, Freddy is so underutilized, like, utilized enough that you never get sick of her. And mm. I just love that. Like, and she, she just grows a character, but she um, still sticks to her guns. Mm-hmm. Like, she can, she knows she's a pariah amongst journalists, but she follows her own instinct, and I love that. It was, like, a weird bittersweet moment, though, later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah. mm-hmm. like, run, but... <laughs> No. Don't run. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> run. No. Don't run. Don't run. <laughs> but it's, uh, it just reminds me of, like, um, that there always has to, like, when cases are unsolved, quote fingers, it's really cool how many people stay to try and solve it for the good of, like, in, in her case, I think it's just because she felt a, an obligation to Abigail. Uh, but mm-hmm. in this case, um, I'm reading a book about Adam Walsh's disappearance and murder. Like, I don't know if Celeste knows who he is, but Adam Walsh was this little boy who was abducted from a Sears store when he was, like, like I think he was, like, seven. And he was, his decapitated head was found later, and they never found out who killed him. Ooh. And so I'm reading a book about it, and, like, they basically say that this guy named Otis Tool is the one who did it, because he, he claimed over and over, yeah, I killed him. I know, and he knew where the head was, and he knew a bunch of things about how, um, how the, how he was killed, where he was mm. found, all this other stuff. And so there was, like, a handful of people, like, uh, Adam's family, and who, uh, Adam's father was the guy who, uh, hosted, uh, America's Most Wanted. Mm. So that's what got him into, uh, crime, in, crime investigation. Because he didn't want that to happen to another family. Mm. And so it was really interesting to read about how, like, a handful of people were like, we're not going to let this go. 
And I love that, like, because it's so difficult. Like, even some of the stuff we discuss on this podcast is, like, so hard to take in sometimes mm. that, like, it's it's why we don't do cases about missing and murdered Indigenous women because it's so hard for us to talk about. A little too close to home. Yeah, it's close to home. Like, I was going to do today's case on Paul, uh, Paul Bernardo, on uh, Robert Picton, but I'm like, that's way too close to us. And so I'm like, I, I made a compromise, but yeah, we, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to go back on my promise that we wouldn't do Picton because I'm like, you could look it up, like look up Picton if you need to, but like, mm-hmm. it was just too close to us because uh, a lot of the women he killed were indigenous. Mm. So it's like, yeah, stay away from there. But yeah, even on that case, they had one person who was like, I'm not going to rest until we get that guy out, off the street. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> always one lone person who despite all the hardships goes through with it yeah Who's i like your hero i like that um people actually like still like try to solve it like a lot of people on the internet still try to solve like um like crimes that's unsolved like from years ago like maybe like in the 70s and you're still trying to like solve that thing because mm-hmm. like one of my favorite uh youtube videos like series to watch is like the buzzfeed unsolved oh yeah i love this yeah unsolved. i love i love watching those and they like go through like the theories that like the internet also like kind of like theorize mm-hmm. and it's like i know it's really cool it's really interesting yeah because i'm like it's good to know that people won't give up i think this makes uh, this makes um freddie kind of heroic because she's not giving up she's my hero. even if her uh motivations are kind of, a little selfish yeah. but well, it's like, um, does the the means justify the ends? Like, if if a good yeah. thing is is gonna result from her bad decisions, she is still putting herself at risk. Mm-hmm. That's what I wrote here. I was like, uh, I was wondering if Freddie was sad about Abigail's death or the loss of the advance on the book she would have written written with Abigail. Mm. And I'm like, it could be either or. Could be both. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Abigail is still just sort of. I don't know how old is she. Abigail, eighteen, uh, probably somewhere between eighteen and twenty, because she was going to go to college. Mm, so, all oh, right, yeah. Well, she still sort of like a child, maybe in like their eyes. So, like the fact that she's gone, maybe it was kind of hard. Which mm. bothered me because I'm like, Abigail is an adult. Like, um, she she never gives them the impression that she's a child. Like, she's want, she makes decisions for herself, which I really admired about her. It's just that I guess I hated her because like fandom was woobifying her, like making her a baby. And I'm like, she's not like that though. Like, hmm. uh, freaking Will always acts like, oh, I need to take care of her and I need to be the father figure in her life because I killed her father. But I'm like, she doesn't need you. <laughs> like, so I, I don't know. I guess that's the, the, uh, that's the moral of every woman's relationship with a man. She doesn't need you. <laughs> so I'm going to keep saying that. Um, okay. But we finally get mm-hmm. to Margot. So Catherine Isabel's face. I love her. She's so cute. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I love her face. <laughs> um, I'm also interested to know if the Verger hatred of Margot was always there or just started with Mason's torture of her. Because like, it's implied that they that he's been torturing her since childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if her father hated him or hated her because of Mason or they always hated her. Like, did they expect another son? Like, I was wondering that. Who's older? I don't know. I think it's probably it's probably Mason. Is it Mason? Mm. I always I always had the feeling she was actually first, but then they, were, they were disappointed that, that she was sense, that the actually. heir was a daughter, so they had to have a son. Let me look that up. And then kick <laughs> <came> the table. <laughs> and then that's where the will is so important and comes into play. He didn't want it all to be inherited by a daughter. He wanted it, even though she's the oldest. So he made sure 
it's inherited by a son and the same, whatever his. Yeah, that makes like a lot more sense. Yeah, it makes her so much asshole dad. (laughs) More tragic. Mm -hmm. I was always wondering that because it's just like even uh, there's that scene there. It's coming up, I think, when he's showing her the pig, pig eating. Pig eating, human eating what pigs. He, he, the training of his pigs, yeah. Is he's he's taller than her and all this, and I, and I find that even if you, uh, at least with me, uh, all my younger cousins who are like my brothers to me, they're all way friggin' taller than me. So it's mm-hmm. like you put us beside, put put us beside, especially now that we're all in our late twenties and thirties, early thirties. Um, they they look older than me. You know, yeah, but it's actually me older than them. <laughs> and it's just like the, t- the tallest makes you look. <laughs> no offense, any cousins listening. So it says, in according to the novel, Mason and Margot are sis- uh, sisters, are twins. Oh. oh, they're twins. Yeah, but again, who's the older one? Probably, I would assume. Yeah, from your logic, it sounds like it is probably Margot that's older, because I think that would inspire why, uh, why they would try for another like. Like, why they would place so much emphasis on him. Mm. So, yeah, it's like... And he probably, like, you know how babies of the family get away with anything? Oh, yeah. I think that's the case, yeah. <laughs> Middle child syndrome right here. <laughs> <laughs> Oldest child here, woo-woo. <laughs> we get all the good stuff, and then I always get called about why my sister is not calling my parents. And I'm like, damn it, call herself! <laughs> so, but, yeah, like, it's it's something that, like, what I wrote in here is... um. Reckon Papa Verger was just a sexist asshole that was in love with his son. That's what I wrote. Mm. <laughs> so I think that's the case because it's like um, the way I think it comes up later too. The way Mason talks about his dad is really childish. Like he, he still Papa? calls he that's, still calls him Papa, Papa even yeah. even in po- like Papa. after his dad's dead. And what I find is he even still said that when he was talking to Hannibal, like oh Papa, yeah. yeah like I would I, at least I find. When men are usually talking to other men, they will say, my father or my dad. You know, they would never actually use the child way of saying it. Like, I only call my dad, daddy, when I'm with both my parents. Uh, I still say it because I know my dad likes hearing. <laughs> okay, mm. but we're not going to get weird here. Yeah, I'm sure it's just, it's a parent thing. You know, like, you know, no matter how old your children get, they're still your baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but... Not uh, when I'm with company or with anybody else, I'll say my dad, or if I'm getting really formal, I'll say my father. But <laughs> that's <laughs> rare. But yeah, it's just like I I've, I thought that was interesting and telling that he still calls his dad Papa. Well, it was telling too the way uh, the way Margot says it. It's more like it sounds like something she was forced to always say because when she's when she calls Hannibal or when she tells Hannibal like papa was very clear she says it with such disdain that you know yeah. that she had to say that like it sounded so like to hear mason say papa and her say papa it was so like mm-hmm. you could see the difference because she just said it like it was like this horrible man she had to call by this name that has mm-hmm. no significance to her like i love those two <laughs> so i'm like i'm so glad we're here <laughs> <laughs> oh but it was just like i i like i love how they like, I know that their father's dead, but I like that he's still, like, a presence in there. Because it seems like um, Mason is always acting like, um, like, oh, I just want to make Papa proud. He's behind me all the time. And, mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, ew, that's creepy. That's where I got that weird feeling, too. Like, I'm, I'm, like I can already tell by the way he talks about his, his father. It's like, it sounds like his father did spoil him, but at the same time, it sounds like his father also abused him. Yeah. Um, they leave it to your own imagination how. Was it just 
physically, was it emotionally? I don't think it was sexually, but there's some, the way, I don't know, just the way he, he is, the way, the way, uh, Mason is, sometimes I feel like there was something there, or something happened, mm. but it was not necessarily because their father, like, was a pedo or anything, but it was a way to exert his authority over mm -hmm. his children, and it just feels like, you know, well, it reminds me of um, Eddie's father, or Eddie's mother in It. Sorry, I'm obsessed with it. I was just talking about <laughs> this before we got on the microphones. But in It, Eddie's mother um, has Munchausen by proxy and uses that as a way to control him. And so it's like, uh, in the movie, he overcomes it, but in the book, he never does. Mm. Um, and so it's really interesting to see um, you can abuse people without having to hit them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that comes up later with Margot, where there's that creepy scene where he's standing behind her, and he's like... Making that like, pig noise? Like, you need me, and I need you. And mm -hmm. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, so it creepy. was pretty creepy. I was just like, but yeah, uh, related to Mason, man, he has my dream hair. I always want my hair like his. <laughs> I was going to say, your hair looks very Mason-esque today, Tanya. <laughs> uh, just like, I, that's what I'm going for each time. I'm like, his hair is beautiful. <laughs> so I'm just like, but I, um, but I love his psychotic ass, which is bizarre to me because um, I don't like Hannibal. But I fucking love Mason. <laughs> it's like Mason is a child killer. Well, like he, in the book, he's a child killer. They don't mm. really they imply it in this season, but it's like, um, like why is Mason so much more fun to me than Hannibal is? I guess because Hannibal takes it too seriously. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, yeah. I feel like, uh, I think what it is probably too is Mason is also very visibly he enjoys. What, what he he's does. doing, yeah. And he's he's very visibly eccentric. Um, if you kind of take some of the things that Hannibal does, like, he actually is just as eccentric. Look at his fucking house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's, like, immaculate. And the things he uses to decorate his house, you know? And yet, he barely invites people... Like, he does invite people over, but it's, like, to go to his bedroom or whatever where there's, like, you know, that suit of armor later. But anyway... Um, they're just, he's just as eccentric as Mason, but Mason's a lot more like, I don't even want to say he's more vibrant because they're just as vibrant. I, I can't. He's classless. He's, there's, yeah, there's just something about him and, I, and I'll bet you that's what you're attracted to is just like. He they, doesn't give a damn. I guess it, well, neither does Hannibal. But. It's like if they, if they gave off a glow, you know, Hannibal's probably, I don't know, a gold and Mason's probably like maybe a red or a. Or a blue to you. Uh, or I don't know. I'm just making it up. Mm. But I'm just saying it might be like you just like that color and that glow better than this shiny glow. It's like glow. neon versus candlelight, I think. Maybe. Yeah. I was just thinking about that because I was like, well, what, what do I like about Mason? And I was thinking about like um, he doesn't care. He's basically a child um, in the body of a man. Yeah. Um, he has total control over everything. And I think that's like because he... He he wields his power in such a way that Hannibal doesn't. Like, um, I wrote in my notes here that um, he's, like, this classless rich person. Like, he is, like, the Donald Trump of serial killers. Because, like, <laughs> you know how Donald Trump has, like, all that gaudy gold and stuff? Mm. Like, he is... Sorry, there's a siren going off. Hold on, wait. 
almost seems appropriate considering what we talked about. <laughs> well, we'll keep going. They're coming for that sick burn. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but he is a classless man. Like, he wears, like, stereotypically classy things. Like, he wears a fur coat. He, he mm. um... He has horses for his sister. He lives in a mansion, like all this other stuff. And it's like he lives the way a rich man is supposed to live. Like there's no uh the only thing that says anything about him is those damn pigs. Like that's his creation. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. else is just like, oh yeah, it's an it's more of an act than Hannibal puts on. You know what I mean? Because I think Hannibal cultivated his personhood, whereas Mason's like, Oh yeah, I'm a rich man. This is how rich men live. No, I think um like with my opinion of Mason, like, when I first saw him, like, he was not what I expected at all. Because <laughs> everybody in this show is so serious. And I thought I was I was expecting, like, you know, a clean, like, dude. <laughs> he was just creepy like everybody else. <laughs> but I think, we, I think what you like about him is that he's, like, kind of like a classic cartoon villain. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, he's not he serious. A, he, when we first meet him, he had a little baby pig in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Like, his hair is, like, blue buff, he's wearing, like, a coat, and he's definitely, like, someone who has his own... Sorry, we're spilling oh. wine. Oh, <laughs> uh, he puts wine over I my <laughs> It's like I already went through them. <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, he is definitely, like, um, a villain in, like, in a show. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what I like about him. <laughs> yeah, because it says here that series creator Brian Fuller called this version of uh, called Mason Verger Verger the Joker to Hannibal's Batman. So mm-hmm. I think that's what I get about him. Yes, because yeah. Batman is so serious, right? And Joker yeah. is yes. Joker is so much more fun. Like Joker is so much more fun to watch. Like I guess that's why I, I dig freaking Mason because Mason is such a damn crazy dude. Like, very eccentric. When you get when you get to the things later, he's like he's basically the mere version of Hannibal, like mere universe Hannibal. If we can get Star Trekky on you, but like it's like oh man, I just it's like him. I don't know maybe like it's complete opposite of Hannibal, I guess. Yeah, you know, that actually makes sense. It's like, what would happen if Hannibal didn't lose any of his hoity-toity-ness growing up? His parents had lived, his sister had lived, and he was still given everything in the world. Would he have still been just as spoiled as Mason probably was? You know, like, it's curious. Like, <laughs> that's actually very very interesting that you say that, that he's a parallel. Like, had Hannibal grown up differently, if we're going by the books, um, if he had a different upbringing? how might have he had turned out. He might have been just another eccentric, just like Mason. Yeah, I think that uh, Hannibal had to hide certain aspects of himself because he didn't have that rich, like, protective area. Because, like, rich people can get away with anything. Yeah, like, like when, when a rich person is crazy, they're eccentric. Yeah, exactly. When you're poor and, and you're crazy, you're just crazy. <laughs> you're schizo, you know, like, <laughs> lock him up. But it's so, it's so bizarre to me that, like, freaking... Mason, as we see later, gets away with everything. Like, gets, like, he's like... The, later he, on? Yeah, later on. He gets away with a lot of shit, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> so it just, like, freaks me out. I feel like I'm going to get frustrated with him. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. getting so frustrated oh, no. Because he's a terrible man. Like, he's, uh... He is a terrible man, <laughs> so... Well, like, even, like... Uh, I'm going to jump ahead very briefly, but when Hannibal meets Mason, he he's like... Uh, Mason says to Hannibal, it's like, I'm sure she's told you so many things about me. He's like, fortunately for you, I can't tell anyone. Well, and I like how he was trying to gaslight... Uh... And, like, he laughs it off, right? He's just like, oh, you got me. <laughs> so it's like, 
And he's trying to gaslight Margot, like, oh, yeah, she's crazy. Like, like I'm not like that. Like, she's just insane. Like, oh, yeah, I actually learned an, a new term here when he says, uh, I think he said Papa didn't like her button stitching. And I was like, what the fuck is button stitching? I'm like, is that a euphemism for lesbianism? So I looked it up. Sure enough, it is an old 1800s euphemism for lesbianism. Uh, button stitching. Because, <laughs> you know, button. That makes no sense. <laughs> Mason, like he, his character on um, like Michael Pitt's character on Boardwalk Empire, this really, um, this really quiet person. Mm. But I'm like, Mason's not like that, and I'm glad he doesn't play Mason like uh, his character on Boardwalk Empire because I'm like, Mason is allowed to be fucking crazy, like, because mm. then, like, what happens to him later? It's like now you can see how they got to that point. So, like, did they do flashbacks? Uh, well, they, uh, because, um, the book, the book and the movie Hannibal discuss what happens to him. Like, and mm. it's, you'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And, um, like, and it's, uh, like, don't look it up because, like, it'll spoil it. But it's, it's so bizarre to see that. Like, um, like, cause he, he's playing this guy like a total, like, child. Like, cause Mason doesn't seem to have grown up at all. Like, he is not, he's not a functioning man. He's still a boy. I heard somewhere where if you're, like, when people are abused as, like, children or something, like, traumatizing happens, you kind of, like, stay, like, that child your, like, whole life, even though you're an adult, and you have to, like, get over that eventually. And so I guess maybe he was, like, kind of, like, traumatized or abused when he was young because he acts like that. Mm -hmm. And we get to see how, like, how he loves all the weird things his dad did, like, the knife thing. Like, mm, that'll come later. Kind of, well, if I can spoil it a little bit. I will spoil it a little bit. So he goes that, like, the best way to check how fat the pig is is to stab it. Ew. And he talks about it like his dad took him fishing or something. I'm like, eh? So I just, like, freaked out because I'm like, what kind of dad did they have? Like, he sounds like a terrible man. But Mason talks about him like he is, like, God. Like, it's so creepy to idol. Yeah. It's and, just, like, he's still sitting at home or something. Yeah, he's, like, dad is, uh, like, papa's back home just sitting in his chair. It's, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. Like, if we go into their house, will their papa be in a, in a chair upstairs? Like, just Or, like, uh, what's it? Uh, Bates. Psycho. Yeah. In uh, Psycho, yeah. Bates Motel. He's just sitting in a chair up in the... Just waiting. <laughs> <I wouldn't laughs> but, okay, moving on from my, my love of Mason. Um... <laughs> I get to see another assy instrument that Hannibal owns, the theremin. The theremin. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I had to look that, like, actually, the first time I watched the show, I didn't know what instrument they were playing. Yeah. yeah. I just saw them waving their hands and whatever, and I saw, like, I didn't think about it much until I saw, uh, you know how Google will sometimes change its uh, logos to, and celebrate something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they showed the lady who invented, or, or the lady who was the best player, I'm not sure. Who invented the, the the theremin? And so I was like, Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> and it 
took so long for me to finally realize that's what the fuck they were playing with in this show. So sure enough, I watched this episode. I'm like, okay, I'm all cut up now. <laughs> all right, let's go. I'm finally in the loop. Yeah. It was so lame because, like, it was obviously a metaphor for sex. <laughs> the whole state. Well, I thought it was a metaphor for manipulation. It is, but it was mm-hmm. also manipu- uh, It was a metaphor for sex, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, it was, as I saw. I don't know. I, it was kind of cute. <laughs> the scene, I know, because he was, like, really close to her. Like, it was very much like a lover's, like, embrace. Mm. But it was still kind of lame. Cause it was like, I, I still don't approve of them, but I, <laughs> yeah. it was kind of cute. <laughs> but I also wrote in here, um, also, Mads's, Mads's voice is totally sexy during that scene. Arg, I hate him. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I love how he has, like, the most... In uh, Sennheim instruments, of course, Hannibal has it. It's <laughs> like, jeez, what the hell is that? And I, I wrote a note on here. I had to skip the sex scene because I was eating. I was on lunch <laughs> and I was in the cafeteria at work, and I didn't want people looking at my screen. <laughs> well, allow me to talk about the sex you scene. I got a whole page. Oh, <laughs> got an essay. <laughs> got an essay. <laughs> she wrote a fanfic. Well, I just, I just. I just <laughs> Um, I just wrote at the bottom another one of the famous most gift. Just spitting everywhere I'm feeling. Truly, another one of those scenes that's just gift all to hell. It's always everywhere. It's one of the favorites to splice together. Uh, that will and it's actually Will and, and Hannibal, Hannibal really? <laughs> doing it. Mm-hmm. And how it's like this weird, or it's more famously known as the it's the threesome because the way it's cut together and oh, it's just oh yeah. I wrote something about and how Alana is just this weird conduit for them to actually just have sex with each other. Sex with each other. <laughs> but yeah, I always see this stuff taken from this constantly for like, for yeah, just Hanagram fodder. It's just <laughs> it's everywhere, and it's just um, oh, what did I write here? Hold on. Oh, so at the beginning of the scene, just before you know they get it on, <laughs> uh, Margot visits uh, Will. And it's actually the two of them doing it. I always like that one part where he's just like, she's like basically says like, do you want to do, do, do stuff? And he's like, I don't have the right parts for your, pro- uh, pro- I can't even say it. Probabilities. Probably, what she said. <laughs> Translation, you're gay. <laughs> it's like, I got a D where you want to be, so. <laughs> well, look at the look he will gives her when she tries to flirt with him. He's just like. <laughs> yeah, he's confused. And he's like, it's... why? Didn't you say you were a lesbian last season? <laughs> but then, you know, it's like, eh. eh she could you, know, you know, I'm not mad about Will and Margot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, too bad that she's a lesbian, and I respect that. <laughs> it feels like they, they would have had the most, like, very sensual, gentlest sex because they've both been through so much trauma. Abuse. And they were admiring each other's scar. Well, not admiring, but... Look, looking at each other's scars mm-hmm. before you know you know doing it so i almost feel like it would have been like a real slow burn like it's like i'll do a little bit for you first and i'll do a little bit for me first and then, you know what i mean before I actually getting to you know insert slot b into slot a and whatever <laughs> a lot of foreplay is what i'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> appreciating all that but uh, one mental note i made on there it was like i like how it's insinuated when they're looking at each other's scars. You know, Will says, like, who did this to you? And she says, my brother. And then she says, who shot you? And he says, a friend. Those who are closest to us cause the deepest wounds and scars. That's I thought it was Oh, <laughs> damn. 
I thought that was interesting. That's pretty true, though. <laughs> it is true. It's just because they, they hurt the most and they take the lungs to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I wrote so. here about, like, because uh, Hannibal says to them, uh, well, no, Alana says this to Hannibal, people are not instruments. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's what, ha- that's what Hannibal and Mason think about people. Like, they're just means to an end. But, yeah, it's just like, ooh. But I love that Willis finally getting some D, or sex, if you will. For the first time in 30 years. <laughs> For the first time in 30 or so episodes. But of course it's creepy and disturbing. And Will wakes up alone being used. <laughs> Why did Margot sleep with him? You'll find out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Personally, I think, like, when I first saw that, I always thought it was a weird... Let's just let off some steam. And, you know, yeah, it's like... We both her- know what this is right from the top. Like, right from the get-go, it's like, she's like, I'm a lesbian, but, you know, let's, uh... You know. I'm cute. <laughs> yeah, you're handsome, you know, we both. Yeah, why not? Let's get it on. Let's get it on. <laughs> uh, but, uh, like, so, it's, it was a good, like, a good scene, but I always hate, like, I think it's been ruined for me by what you said about the heavily gifted stuff. I'm like, yeah, like, I want to, like... I want to see Sweaty Will having sex with Sweaty Hannibal. We kind of do, but, like, it's, it's just funny because I see it so much, and I'm like, eh. It's lost its it allure. Really, it was a really kind of <laughs> uncomfortable scene to watch. It was kind of voyeuristic, too, eh, with the, with the Wendigo. Kind of, oh yeah, the Wendigo was You know, so chilling creepy. by the fire, and then, and then hop it in there, and it was just kind of like... It just... Ugh. It's weird, call me crazy, but I was just kind of like... So oh. it's sort of like a person. <laughs> it's like I like their antlers. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of the scene of Bob's Burgers where, um, where uh, freaking what's your face? Uh, uh, what's your the girl with the glasses? What's your name? Tina. Tina and Tina's um, uh, having a dream about uh, where she's getting seduced by two zombies. <laughs> that reminded me of ooh, double trouble. <laughs> But uh, so we go back to Freddie, and she reminds me of a more intelligent Edward Nigma from Gotham. I love how smart she is. Like she is so brainy this episode. Like she's figuring things out. Mm. Like she's where um, she's kind of where Will and uh, Miriam were. Like she seems like if she hadn't gone into journalism, she probably would be in the FBI. She has like some total like uh, Clary Starling, Starling cojones on her. Mm, good intuition, yeah. She's really cool, but. I so, can't say like her in anything less though. <laughs> oh, journalism. She's then, so she good at her job. To, she wouldn't want to do things inside the law, you mm-hmm. know. She's kind of like a daredevil in that way. <gasps> you know, it'd be like nice a... to be a lawyer by day, <laughs> screw up blind guy by night. <laughs> I, I'm mad at daredevil guy. I, I swear, whenever he does stuff on the show, I like raise a hand if you were blind. <laughs> He's like, He's Speaking of Charlie Cox on that show is so pretty. I love yes, him. I love him. Oh, it's so cute. I'm like, I want to marry him. <laughs> but so we come back to Hannibal meeting uh, Mason, mm. which is one of the creepier scenes because I did, like I was getting like abuse flashbacks to that scene where he's like he's trying to undermine Margot to Hannibal, mm. and that was so creepy to me. I'm like. She knows, like, he knows that you're, like, you're a complete asshole, <laughs> like, ooh. He's probably trying to do, like, the same thing he does with everybody and Margot yeah. knows. It's like Margot's a complete psycho to mm-hmm. He's trying to, like, trying to intimidate Hannibal, yeah. but Hannibal just won't have it. Yeah. And that's how, like, he does that weird moment where he says that, it's like, fortunately for you, I can't tell anyone. And he's just, like, saying, without like, saying, you're, you're it's like, I know asshole. stuff about you, but luckily for you, I can't say anything. But it's just like. 
And he's like, <laughs> and he's so smooth and confident about it. It's like he's like subtly telling Mason, "It's like you can't intimidate me." It's like I hear all, I can hear, yeah. I hear all kinds of shit, and I can do shit too. So. <laughs> but how bad must that pig pen smell? Like they go in there often, and I'm like, Ugh. But, uh. so because my uh, my ex boyfriend he used to take care of pigs when he was young, and he told me once that you had to wash with diesel fuel after you handled the pigs because that was the only thing strong enough to get the smell off. It really? was so gross, yeah. Like, because wow. pig shit will stick to you forever. Like, it's like a skunk smell, basically. It's, like, so terrible. It's like, <laughs> The more you know. But I love uh, Mason telling Hannibal that he had really good bone structure. I'm like, ah, <laughs> I think he's gay. So we know that. <laughs> but, okay, so, like, to kind of intersect into um, our true crime segment... <laughs> it's kind of cheating this episode because um, I was really interested in the pig section of this part of the episode just because of how um, how pigs played a role and how they're basically the motif of uh, of Mason Berger. Like if they had a if they had a family crest of arms, like a pig would be in it. Oh, probably. Yeah, it's like, and I'm allergic to pigs. I don't like pigs. I think they're gross. You're allergic to pigs? I'm allergic to pigs, yeah. actually? Yeah, because we had a a pot-bellied pig in my grade one class, and I freaking broke out in hives, and my face blew up to, like, four times its size when it got on me. So I'm like, eh, pigs! (laughs) But pigs are, like, surprisingly, like, are uh, are more dangerous than sharks in terms of attacks on human beings, because they are fucking nasty, and they're smart, too. So I was looking up, uh, like, if you look up Picton, as we said, Picton had a thing where it was implied that he had fed his victims to pigs on his farm. Uh, there's a serial killer I'm reading about right now named uh, Joe Methanley, who uh, killed prostitutes and fed them to the pigs on his farm, slaughtered the pigs, and then sold them for meat. So it's really gross. Uh but yeah, like, uh, and gangsters apparently use pigs a lot as uh, a way of disposing of bodies because, excuse me. Oh, I'm a broke for a second. <laughs> well, we have been drinking what? <laughs> We've been drinking, what was it? Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. <laughs> 2017. Yes, it's very good. Um, but yeah, uh, pigs can apparently eat uh, any organic material. Like, because unlike cattle who need grass and that sort of thing and lots of, pa- lots of pasture land, you could put a pig in the woods and it would, fi- it would find a way to eat something. Hmm. So they're really, really, really... Maybe that's why people are afraid of boars. Yeah, they're pretty creepy. Because I wrote here, um, the pe- domestic pigs are farmed primarily for the consumption of their meat. The animals' bones, hide, and bristles are also used in commercial products. Domestic pigs, especially the pot-bellied pig and micro-pig, are sometimes kept as pets. Archaeological evidence suggests that pigs were domesticated from wild boars as early as 13,000 or 12,700 BC in the Near East. The adaptable nature and omnivorous diet of the wild boar allowed early humans to domesticate it readily. Pigs were mostly used for food, but early civilizations also used the pigs' hides for shields, bones, for tools and weapons, and bristles for brushes. In India, pigs have been domesticated for a very long time, mostly in the Goa and some rural areas for pig toilets, which is where um, the sty is where the poo and the pee ends up because the pigs will eat it. Ew. Ew. Though ecologically logical, as well as economical, pig toilets are waning in popularity as use of septic tanks and sewage systems is increasing. <laughs> so, But yeah, you can look it up. Mm. Look up pig toilet. Pigs <laughs> have the well-developed sense of smell. 
and you and use of this is made in Europe where they are trained to locate underground truffles. Olfactory rather than visual stimuli are used in the identification of other pigs. Hearing is also well developed and localization of sounds is made by moving the head. Pigs use auditory stimuli extensively as a means of communication in all social activities. Alarm or aversive stimuli are transmitted to other pigs not only by auditory cues but by pheromones. Similarly, recognition between a sow and her piglets is by olfactory and vocal cues. As I said, pigs are omnivores and are highly versatile in their feeding behavior. They can survive well by scavenging on the same types of food that humans and dogs can live on. In the wild, they are foraging animals, primarily eating leaves, grasses, roots, fruits, and flowers. Domestic pigs are intelligent and can be trained to perform numerous tasks and tricks. Tasks and tricks, rather. Pigs are also known to eat people who somehow end up incapacitated in front of them. A farmer was eaten, leaving behind nothing but his dentures uh, a few years back after suffering a heart attack and falling into the pen uh, after going to feed them. There's also been rumors that Robert Pickton disposed of bodies using pigs on his farm. Um, and pigs will also, um, because of their, their ability, their, their really good sense of smell, the second you get a smell of blood in a pig pen, they'll start going nuts. Hmm. Yeah, so pigs are really scary. Stay away from them. Because, <laughs> so, like, they are pretty, like, you, they actually, like, I was looking up all kinds of posts about how wild boars will attack people. The scariest thing about wild boars is that they'll attack you until you're incapacitated. So if you, like, if you pretend to be dead and the, pit, and the boar wanders off, if it sees you get up, it'll start attacking again until you can't get up. And I'm like, man, they're fucking serial killers. <laughs> so it's hardly true crime, but they do account for the majority of things that kill people. Like, you are more like, six times more likely to die at the hands of a pig than by a shark. So. Mm. Yeah, these are things I never even knew before. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, like Porky's uh, gonna kill us. It's <laughs> funny because uh, I took, like, an animation course a couple weeks ago, and, like, the, the one of the instructors actually owned, like, a, like, a, what is that, a teacup pig? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you need you if you go to chance. Uh, no, I gotta warn her. <laughs> But that's also unrelated to pigs, but it really freaks me out to read. I was, in addition to my research on pigs last night, because I, I think Google's going to tag my searches because I was looking up pigs eating people, question mark. <laughs> so I found out that if, uh, say I were to die in my apartment and no one was coming by to, like, if, no if I were to die with my cat in the house, like I don't have a cat, but say I had a cat. And the cat, the cat would start eating me immediately. Dogs won't, because they'll have the good graces to wait until they're hungry. But a cat will immediately be like, yeah, you're dead. Eat your hands. Really? <laughs> yeah, cats will eat you immediately. Dogs will wait until they're hungry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. I have two cats. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, related to that. Yeah, pigs are scary. Look them up. They're pretty creepy. Like, they will... Are they more dangerous than... Hippos? Yes. Oh, no. Hippos are, are the mo number one killer of people. Uh, pigs are lower. They're along with cattle also kill people, but that's more workplace accidents. Mm. But I remember reading, um, my ex-boyfriend told me that they had to cut the ears and the and the tails off of pigs because in the pen, uh, to establish dominance, they other pigs would rip them off. I'm like, how could you? Like, I, I don't ever want to eat pork anymore because these things are so horrible. It is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's so gross to me. But anyway, that, that's today's true crime yeah. segment. Pigs will eat you if you let them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, 
But I love that, um, I can see that the Vergers hated Margot because she's useless in their eyes because they play such an, and they play such a importance on the ability to breed. Like that, that freaked me out because they just see people as like bloodlines. Mm. That creeped me out the most. I was like, ew. I know, so it's a very, um, well, Hannibal talks about it. He says uh, humans want uh, a legacy. And, uh, but it's also a weird animal instinct is to, uh, like, what was another thing I, I remember seeing in a movie? I forget what movie, but uh, the villain was like, you know, humans don't actually love. It's just a chemical uh, uh, pheromone or something in you. What love is is you protecting your bloodline. Like, oh. if you have a kid or whatever, that love you actually feel is just instinct. So you're protecting your gene- genealogy. What? Or <laughs> their DNA to pass it on. That's all it actually is. So you don't actually love anything. And I thought, wow, that's really evil of you to say. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> to dismiss human that life really like dark. that. <laughs> well, yeah, I was... And I just know it must have had an impact on me because now I'm thinking, like, well... It's like, well, my sister's about to have a baby. There, that's the... That's us being passed on. I don't necessarily have to have kids now. <laughs> I still want them. But I'm just saying, like, I just, and I just find that a weird thing that humans do is just, yeah, it's very important to pass on. Like, like you ever notice, as soon, like, as soon as I turned 16, my parents were like, when you have kids someday, or it's like, you're going to have a kid someday. It was already decided. As early as 16 mm. years old, they would say, when you have kids. And I remember my dad was like, one time I was like, just hypothetically, I said, hey, Dad, if I ever went to the U.K. to do a theater course, what would you think about that? I might have told this story before. And he said, no, you can't go. I'll never see my grandchildren. And I was like, <laughs> what? What grandchildren? Yeah, I was, like, I was like 16 or 17 or something. He's like, you'll go there. You'll meet somebody. And you'll want to live there because the women always live with the men. And I was like, what? It's like, way to go, old man. <laughs> He's like, you'll have grandkids. You'll live all the way there. And we'll only see them maybe once or twice a year. So no, you can't go. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, Dad, this is a hypothetical question. I'm not actually going anywhere. But I was like, calm oh, down, Grandpa. So yeah, I was like, okay, evidently, I'm not going there for school. <laughs> Just, uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Bloodlines. Bloodlines. Okay. Yeah, because it's so weird. Because it's like, um, from what we see later of Mason, it doesn't appear that he's trying to to breed, as it were. Like, mm. he, like, he, I think in, Han- like, if he is the mere version of Hannibal, he is an asexual person. Like, he gets his pleasure from other things, from hurting people. Mm. That's what he gets his pleasure from. Mm. And I think in, I think, um, Mason's, Mason and Margot's father took it personally that Margot was gay. Like, she, yeah. she doesn't want, well, she's a lesbian. She doesn't want to, to extend my bloodline, so fuck her. Like, she's terrible, like, all the sonar. So it's like, um, but I really, yeah, I wrote in here, Mason's abusive nature so obvious. Like, it's so creepy to me. Like, that was like, like, I haven't seen this episode in a while, so it was really cool to see, like, how he's trying to play everyone against her. Like, mm. she's unreasonable. I had to break her arm. Like, I'm like, oh, 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 poor Margo. Like, how, like, I know Marco needs him. Like, because she, like, basically, she lives in her abuser's house. Like, he's been abusing her since they were children. And I'm like, how horrible is her life? Like, Well, she probably can't get away either. Yeah, she would have She nothing. has no mo- money or anything. Probably, like, no friends either because he drives everybody away from her. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, so creepy to me because I'm like, 
uh, Mason has made it so that Margot has nobody but him. Mm. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it's like she and Will should become best friends. Yeah! And <laughs> I'm like, save her, Will! <laughs> and that's where that line later when uh, they're having dinner together, uh, Hannibal, uh, Will, and Alana, and uh, they're talking about boundaries and the difference, crossing boundaries is different from violating them. Um, and Hannibal says, better the devil you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe that's also translates to Margot and Mason. It's like she could leave and face the world on her own, but she's been in this bubble for so long, which she know how. She like, knows how to navigate. Like yeah. she's probably very well educated in all this, but she was probably still very well guarded because of her abuse. So she probably doesn't know how to interact super well with the outside world. And being a rich girl, does she have any transferable skills to live on her own? No, all she does is seems like it's ride horses and go talk to Hannibal. Well, yeah, like, she was probably brought up with that uh, well-to-do lady upbringing. She knows how to be a lady, but does she know how to support herself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that she doesn't, but it's implied that she she might not, which is why she doesn't leave. Or she's scared of trying. Or maybe that. Yeah, yeah. like, she's so traumatized. She she knows how to at least stay alive in this bubble. She doesn't know how to stay alive outside of it. And And that's where that better the devil you know Mm -hmm. line comes into play. Well, and I, um... Though I didn't like in the book how uh, they imply that Margot's being a lesbian is because of her abuse at the hands of Mason, mm. I do like in this situation it's more like, oh yeah, she was a lesbian before freaking Mason went nuts. Mm. And so it's like, it it makes sense because I think they, like, sh- like, she always knew she was gay. Mm. And I'm like, I, I really like the way, the way she, pl- the way Catherine Isabel plays her is very guarded. I love that. Like, cause a lot of people were saying that she's kind of stiff. And I'm like, no, she's not stiff. She's guarded. Because she knows how to interact around Mason. And Mason can see through it. Like, mm-hmm. even when she, when he's saying, when she's making a horrible comment about it, he's like, oh, man, your voice gets stilted when you're fr- you're afraid. And I'm like, he knows. <laughs> like, he knows that all her ticks and tricks now. It's like, she, yeah, she probably stays still. Because it's like that, you know, don't make any sudden movements or he might freak he out. Because freak out, yeah. So, <laughs> but he can still hear her fear in, in her voice because he just knows her so well. Because he's a pig. Like, he, he can he smell is. the fear on her. And that's like, that other floating metaphor through the whole episode. When, he's a pig. What did say? <laughs> uh, I, like, uh, I like to select my own pig. I always do. Yeah, slaughtering a pig is a gift for Hannibal. Seems appropriate. And the pig looks gross, like a person disguised as a pig. I hated that meal this episode. I'm like, ooh. Oh, the succulent pig? Yeah. Looked ooh. good to me. Terrible <laughs> to me. Never had... I guess I don't like seeing faces. Well, I guess you, you, said, yeah. you said you broke out in hives. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I can eat pork. I just thought I can't, like, I think I'm allergic to their hair. Yeah. That's what it is. And I'm like, ew. I like how, yeah, when Mason was like, oh, you must know pigs. And Hannah was like, I do know pigs. And he just looks at him, <laughs> looks at Mason when he says it. But Mason's like, like, even paying attention to that, but I saw that right away. It's just like, I do know pigs. <laughs> it's like, I eat them every day. But uh, I like anyway. how, uh, during that dinner with Alana, uh, I love how Alana sounds jealous of Hannibal and Will's relationship. I know, right? Yes, I'm like, uh, or is she just getting suspicious of Will's reignited relationship with Hannibal? I'm like, I think a little of both. Probably a little bit of both. It's pretty, like, awkward dinner. Yeah, I was like, Ooh. Why did he agree to, like, have dinner with Alana and Hannibal? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, like, uh... I like how the fandom jokes, uh, Hannibal's always trying to get a threesome going. Because <laughs> if you look at gifts, like, if you don't look at dialogue and you just look at the gifts, the, the way he looks at them, apparently it looks like he's, like, 
Hmm? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can do this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then, like, we're no? satisfying okay. one person first animal. <laughs> <laughs> that looks so cute. It's like one of those weird jokes that floats around. I'm just like, yeah, you but might be. The second, uh, so freaking Will lets it be known that uh, that freaking Freddie knows something. So cue Hannibal's kill suit in her house. <laughs> and I was like, no! His murder one. No, his, his murder beautiful. suit. But I, I love... Um, wait, wait, whose house was yeah, it? Yeah, it was uh, Freddy's house. Oh, was was it? oh really? I was wondering about that because they kind of just like switched to the next scene right away. <laughs> I was but, like, why is he, what is he waiting for? <laughs> but can everyone please stop breaking into each other's properties? Like, <laughs> no, right? Everyone's breaking into each other's houses. Like sometimes I feel weird about going into JJ's house when like she, she's expecting me. But like she leaves the door open for me and I still have to knock because I still feel weird about it. Like, well, that's just polite. That's all. Yeah, I'm being polite. You're just being polite. I'm not trying to break into your house. It's just like, oh. <laughs> but and um, how is her hair still so cool in that hat? She's like, oh. I know, right? Yeah. The only thing with TV and Hollywood is just like, I'll take off this hat, but my hair will still be immaculate. <laughs> no helmet hair for me. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> but at least she has enough humanity to freak out over the jawbone in the freezer. Like, I know, right? I, I, was, I would have thought she'd just been like, oh, crap. <laughs> That's so like, oh! But I like Will doing the classic killer in the corner when the, when the, when the freezer lid came down, yeah. and he's just standing there in the back, no, just he, like... He pulled like a, like a Hannibal move. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? With the, with the clear plastic drapes and the... Skeletons and things hanging around, and it's the classic like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really like the scene with uh, Freddie though, because it actually makes her look human. Yeah, for once, yeah. instead of like this cold, calculating like woman. Yeah, and I like how Will is the only thing that scares her. Like, cause, cause that's come up before where she's the one that, like, even when she didn't think that he was the Chesapeake Ripper, she still suspected that he was in, he was in, involved somehow and was still kind of nervous around him. Hmm. Like, suspect of him, cause she knows he's a killer. And, like, she's such a badass to some, like, I just love her in this episode. She's, <laughs> she's scared, but she's still gonna, like, I'm gonna take out Will before I, uh, before I die. <laughs> and she calls Jack. That was the best part. She's running. She calls Jack. And I'm like. Oh, she's so smart. <laughs> yes, yeah. she is. Oh, man, she's going to take I, him down. <laughs> it was a cool scene, though, of her fighting him. Like, she actually, like, got away, and you know, for a bit. <laughs> yeah, and then he, like, broke her window. And but then, of course, she's, like, forgetting in the car, so she couldn't, like, get the keys. <laughs> and don't hurt her hair, will you bastard, is what I wrote. <laughs> but how many horrified women have left screaming voicemails on Jack's phone? Like, the, I think this is the third one so far. <laughs> is it the third one? Second one, probably. Yeah, it's only second, I'm pretty sure. But that's still a lot more than should be on his voice. Yeah. yeah. It's like, ooh. Poor Jack. Will took some of her hair, right? I, yeah. He ripped. He ripped he it ripped up. Yeah. some hair. Ugh. <laughs> I hate Dark Will, despite his sexiness. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm not too. <laughs> like, damn it, he killed someone I love. <laughs> I don't know, that's why that I like him. Dark Will. Dark Will, stop it. <laughs> but I like that, yeah, at the end for that final dinner scene, and it's just like, you sliced the ginger. Yeah, I hate them both for the ginger remark. <laughs> like, damn it. But that whole fucking dinner scene, I don't know about you, but because, you know, you know, Will did something to Freddy, and it's just like, to me it felt like a weird consummation scene. And the yeah. way they keep eye-fucking each other, and they're just, like, slowly taking these sensual bites of food. And I'm like, are you guys, like... 
It's kind of getting off. Yeah, like I've seen it. Like I've seen this scene so much in fan fiction, and they really do actually go have sex a lot of the time after this. <laughs> but like, no, no, the table, you animal. <laughs> yeah, but, but in the in the TV show, it feels like that's what's happening in this scene. And again, it feels like we're trespassing on something super intimate, and it's just. <laughs> it's but, like I feel dirty <laughs> but I dig that Hannibal isn't sitting at the head of the table with his dinner with Will because he's, eat, he's eating right across from Will that was pretty cool I like that scene because like yeah, I really dig that like uh, even with scenes with Jack Jack, uh, Jack is sitting uh, like Hannibal's sitting at the head of the table when he eats with Jack and for this scene this is the first time we've seen him sitting on, uh, sitting on the same level with somebody well maybe because he is sort of like in the same level as Will no, he has been sitting uh, seated across from uh, Jack before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what it was is, uh, I think what it is, it seems like they're closer because all that we saw on the table was their dinner plates and the candles and the wine. Whereas when he was with Jack, he would have some elaborate thing sitting in between them. Oh, if you okay, look back so at previous dinner scenes, there's like all this stuff in between them. Like he's almost trying to hide behind all this other stuff while he's feeding feeding him. Whereas... When he was with Will, it just seems, I think it seems more intimate because there's nothing in between them. There's mm. no centerpieces. Uh, at least I don't think there is a centerpiece. But yeah, like, it feels like they're super close. It might, again, it might be the cinematography playing with our uh, depths of field a little bit. It really feels like they are super close to each other. Yay! No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so the shot at the end when, like, the last shot of their face is merging, we get it! They're having sex! <laughs> It's like I said, the consummation, they're together, you know? <laughs> but Anagram canon. Yeah, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> Dark Will, stop it! Dark <laughs> like, Will, don't stop. <laughs> I'm just like, ew, this is getting me. I don't Faster. like Hannibal happy. <laughs> Keep feeding him <laughs> off. Oh, I'm whispering it in for the people who listen to this. So <laughs> with headphones. Faster. <laughs> Better. <laughs> Uh, but did you guys uh, as we come to the end of the show have you like do you guys have any parting thoughts for this episode this episode is too much (laughs) exactly so much happening it's too sexy (laughs) I feel like they crammed a lot in this episode like without it seeming overwhelming yeah like it just it seemed to flow really good a lot of stuff a lot of good stuff going on characters and there's action scenes again I think like last time I don't have anything I did not like in this I even liked Mason I even I didn't mind Jack (laughs) (laughs) I liked everything about this I don't think he spoke that much this episode just to say like oh yeah Freddie Lowndes called my phone what the fuck is this (laughs) what the hell Will like they were sitting in like in his office like they're in trouble (laughs) (laughs) so Jack is the is the principal (laughs) yeah but what was your favorite and least favorite part of this episode uh, my favorite is meeting Mason, because I do think he's an interesting character, especially, like, his his look. Mm. <laughs> his crazy hair. And least favorite, freaking Dark Will. Leave yeah. Freddy alone. <laughs> Damn it, stop Leave my girl him. alone. <laughs> stop killing everybody I love show. Every time I love somebody, and they, things happen. <laughs> they just leave us. <laughs> I should just become Dark. Like Will, and <laughs> yeah. it's cold. By this episode, we'll become like dark. Uh, by the end of this season, we'll become like Dark Link <laughs> versions <laughs> of ourselves. What would you, JJ? Least favorite and fa- favorite and least favorite. Well, um, I, I know just, you said you didn't have a. Least I didn't favorite. really have a really a least favorite, but um, if I have a least favorite of my favorite things, <laughs> uh, favorite is just that end scene. You can't get enough of that eye fucking. It's just great. Um, I'd say least favorite is just. Uh, 
I guess just Mason being a tool, <laughs> just being a jerk <laughs> through this whole thing. But again, it's 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 a odd, eccentric, fun, charming thing he is sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. I can't wait to hate him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> My favorite thing about this episode is Mason Berger. I love him. I can't wait to see more of him. Uh, and it's just so cool, like because he's he he is the mere version of Hannibal. I guess that's mm. why I like him is because he's the mere universe version of Hannibal. Least favorite thing, probably how useless the dogs were in a fight. <laughs> it's like, damn it, you guys, eat, you ate human meat before, you could do this. It's like, like, when you think about like a pack of dogs, you think of them like attacking the person trying to attack their owner, <laughs> but they just kind of like, just work. They're just hiding in the under corner. the bed the whole time. <laughs> All right, but we come to the end of the show. Where can everybody find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Instagram and Tumblr at Satuma. S-A-T-U-M-W-A-H. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as JJ Neeps. You can find me on Instagram as JJ Neepin Films. And you can find me, Sonia, personally on as honey underscore child on Twitter, honey dash child on Tumblr, and ceramic nanu on Instagram. And you can find Hannibal's Horny Abachi as Hannibal's Horny Abachi on Tumblr uh, at gmail.com and uh, as HH Abachi on Twitter. Though we don't update it as much as Tumblr, so check out Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr's probably the best way. <laughs> Tumblr's the best way to get a hold of us, even though we've been getting a bunch of spam accounts from people just saying, hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got that today. I was like, hi, yeah. bye. I'm new to Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I'm like, tell me what my favorite episode, favorite character on Hannibal is. You don't know. <laughs> spam. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. But thanks for everyone for keeping up with us. And like, uh, please like let us know what's going like going on in your lives. We're coming up to the end of, <laughs> of the season. We're like three episodes away mm-hmm. from three more episodes from- and then our then wrap, wrap up. up. Yeah. So we'd love to get some user questions from you guys about like what we're up to. Why Sonia likes Mason Berger's hair, whatever. <laughs> like, what our what our favorite true crime stuff is. So, like, start getting those questions in. We mm-hmm. want to hear them. And shout out to all our friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.